As we round out 2023 and head into, oh my goodness, 2024, it is time to get busy with that dirty glass. It is the occasional podcast with myself, Danny Ballant, and Shantae Whale from Over a Glass. Hey, Shantae. Hi, Danny. How are you? I am really good. I'm loving this sort of nothing week between Christmas and New Year where I don't really know what day it is, but I know it's about to be New Year's Eve. I totally agree. It's the time where you just kind of think, I don't know what time it is, but I think I might just have that chocolate truffle and you don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and yeah, I've got the cricket on in the background and there's still ham in the fridge and yeah, it's it's pretty chill and I'm enjoying. Yeah. the the I don't know. It feels like we get a little extra time out of the day. Maybe it is because it's slower and the cricket's on and it's a bit hot so you can just kind of put your feet up, but it's always a vibe, isn't it, this time of year? It is definitely a vibe, yeah, just something to sink into and and slow down and I'm enjoying that. And, of course, you know, I know that everybody listening to this won't be as lucky to have had that slow week. There's, you know, I was out at a pub last night and it was very busy, so I know that a lot of people in HOSPO are still working Um, and, yeah, a lot of people will be working on New Year's Eve as well. So shout out to everybody um, bringing it in for the diners who are so lucky to receive um yeah that service and that care and attention uh during this holiday period so true and 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 the shout out to to them to make sure that they get a little bit of downtime wherever they can you know whether it be just eating some more greens or giving yourself a hydrolyte because it's just no rest for them what's it like for you Shante because you know you've worked hospo for so long and now I've got a different rhythm to your life you know how do you feel like not being busy at this period it's kind of weird but I am enjoying it because most of the time I don't think you kind of process that it is this Christmas period you're just kind of going and going and it's it's following up like I said coffee with a hydrolyte with a gin and tonic and then a little bit of sleep and then you just you know reset and go again so I've kind of enjoyed just having some carols on and kind of putting up lights or spending the time wrapping presents, things I've never really had time for before. So I feel like I've enjoyed this Christmas holiday season in a different way. Oh, that's really nice to hear. Um, Now, you know, we're going to get into some topics, but I thought let's lead off this chat with a lament uh, for the passing of Bill Granger. Mm. Um, Really sad news over the last couple of days that he died in London um, at the way too young age of 54. Um, Yeah, for me, Bill Granger was just a, a really sunny presence. I enjoyed visiting his cafes in Sydney. I enjoyed that permission to make simple food so beautiful and to give it space and time. Mm. Um, I also was really amazed to um, go to Tokyo and see the queues around the block for his cafe there and just to, I suppose, reflect on what Australian cafe culture was and, you know, how he'd um, taken it around the world. But yeah, a, re- a really, a really sad loss to, um, to our industry. And yeah, of course, you know, sympathy to his family and friends. It's been amazing to see the reach that he has had. And I think that, you know, a testament to an amazing personality and cuisine is that so many people have 
stories of their visits or their books that they purchased and made at home. He seemed to have touched and changed so much about um, our Australian cuisine, but like you said, over the world too. And, and, and I love that you said that space and time because perfectly made eggs. I mean, there was just so much simplicity, but care that went into his food. And it did make you kind of think, I don't need so much on a plate. I just need a really good set of corn fritters and they're amazing. So amazing to see the the love over social media and, and, and the, all the kind of yeah, the little kind of thank yous that people, you know, have thrown out there because he, he was an amazing personality. Yeah, so true. And, you know, I write about cafes often in my restaurant columns and, yeah, the the influence that he's had on cafe culture. And, you know, when I think about cafes I've written about recently in Melbourne, there's such a strong move of Asian cafe culture um so but i think in when you when you're doing that in melbourne or in sydney or around australia you can't help but be building on what bill granger created in his cafes so it's he yeah he really shifted things and I, yeah, it's just exciting to see what he built still developing. Um, yeah, it's just such a – cafes are such a creative space and I think he really showed us how we could honour those interludes in the day um, that, you know, might not be – might not take that long, uh, might not be, you know, something that you'd, um, you know, I don't know, write about or think about too much, but they really mark today and could, could set you up um, – yeah, just set you up really well. How it, there's nothing, it, it can just yeah set up your morning, set up your day when someone you know makes you a great coffee, delivers it with a smile, and you just feel seen and noticed, and that someone really wants you to have a good experience. Yeah, absolutely. When uh, I first heard the news, I turned to my partner. I said, "Oh my god!" Like so young that is so young how like it was so shocking but I spoke to him I said you know we went to Bill's in, in Bondi and he said oh did we and I said yeah you ordered the um fish and chips with the grabichos and I had like a poached chicken salad that had some really beautiful kind of pesto through it and he's like how do you know what we had and I was like I don't know because it stayed in my mind, you know, I said, because it was a lovely outing. And I remember feeling relaxed, the The space was breezy, the food was beautiful. And you just kind of, yeah, you sat back and just felt so at ease. And that's, you know, the mark of a great, of a great venue. Wow, that is a really, yeah, beautiful story. And it is, as you said, so nice to see people sharing their stories of their times at, at different bills, you know, here and around the world. Um, Shante, you've had a really big year and I would love you to talk about some of the highlights. What really mm -hmm. stands out for you in 2023? I think um, my little travels uh, throughout Australia have been pretty amazing. Uh, I did, like you said, get the first chance to, to go overseas and I'd never been to Italy before. So I was frothing to go to Italy. Um, I end up going over to Veneto and not even getting to Venice, which is absolutely insane. But I actually was taken by the consorzio um, of the Comiano Valdio Bardone Prosecco Superiore DOCG, which is a huge mouthful, I realise. Um, and we went out into the beautiful province of Treviso, into the hilly zones between the Dolomites and Venice. And this is an area that's like, it's called a hogback and it's between 
two towns, Congliano and Valdiobardine, where it's really beautiful, hilly, lush, green, and it's the premium area for Prosecco production. And it was just one of the most stunning places I think I've ever seen. And, you know, to not go all the way and not to be and not to see Venice seemed crazy, but I much prefer kind of natural beauty than perhaps towns. And and so I was just in my element. So that was pretty amazing. Drinking the Glera variety, you know, at the top of its game, looking out over the lush hills was that was pretty special. Um, and I, I need to go back to Italy. I was just, I was there and I was just saying, how great are other countries? Look, like watching the Italians talk with their hands and their, it was just amazing to be in, in, in a different country again, as you well know, just visiting Thailand. Oh, true. Well, that was my first trip overseas since COVID. It was just in Thailand a few weeks ago for two weeks. And yeah, I also felt like I was rediscovering my love of travel. Mm. Um, you know, I love being at home and it, Australia is great. And I've had some really nice trips around Australia. But um, yeah, it was good to just, you know, step out of the plane into, you know, it'd be hit with different weather and climate and sounds and smells and just realise, oh, yeah, I do get a lot of my energy from experiences like this. Um, back to Italy, though, I mean, first of all, um, like, wow for pronouncing all of that and just being able to like spit that out well done but I, I often wonder with um with soms who know so much about the wine that's produced in various regions but obviously can't go everywhere what is it like for you you know you, you would have, have have so much background knowledge of prosecco but what is it like for you to actually see and you know be among people that make it and in the place where it's produced uh, it, it it cements why you love what you do I think like you exactly like what you said travel and and, and meeting people because you can read about it and you can hear about um, why it tastes like it does and, and the maps and how far it is from this city to this city and what the soil types are like but when you stand there and it's tangible in your hand and you can feel the cool air coming off the mountain and go that was much cooler than when I was 20 paces back before I hit this little ridge. It it just really cements why Tewa is so important and why the people and the place is so important. And you you get to meet these gorgeous people that are so proud of what they do. And you fall just that little bit more in love with them and a little bit more in love with the product. And then when you drink it somewhere else back in Australia, it's transportive and you can taste it in the glass and you think, uh, you know, I may not get to Italy every year, but I get to have a little bit of that place in this bottle, in this glass, in this sip. So it just makes you feel very grateful, but also it's why I fell in love with wine. It did transport me. And my geography, for a lot of people who know me, is absolutely terrible. It always has been. I would always put the wrong capital city in the wrong country. But through the love of wine, I've started to have more respect from the ground up and and my geography's gotten somewhat better, somewhat. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's so interesting. I love that. And um, when I went to the Veneto, I actually drove in, um, was over in Emilia-Romagna and drove across um, and went, uh, needed to stop for lunch and saw this castle on a hilltop 
and that was Suave. Ended up driving, getting off the highway and going into Suave, having lunch and um, obviously having a glass or two of that wine. And it was it felt like it was baking hot. It's a walled village. Um, just had a little stumble around in the glaring heat, um, you know, a couple of glasses of wine in. And I don't know, like if there are times when it, I would need to have a glass of Suave, it needs to be really cold and it totally takes me back there. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it is, yeah, it is so lovely to have to drink wines of places that you've been. But again, I also, like I've never been to the south of Italy and I find my drink, myself drinking Sicilian wine and it's like a promise to myself that I'm going to mm. go there soon. Me too. I, I would die if I could go to Sicily. I kept putting that out there to anyone that I met. I'd love to go to Sicily. <laughs> but tell me, did you fall in love with Thai food again? I mean, we see a lot of Thai food in Australia, but it's so varied depending on where you go in Thailand. Did you discover new flavours when you were there or is, is, have you seen, I mean, we've got such good Thai food in Australia. Did, did you find new things? Oh, definitely. And I think, um, you know, I think Sydney's been known for having better Thai food than Melbourne for ages. I think in recent years um, there is much better Thai food in Melbourne than there has been, um, but and, and including Southern Thai food, which we haven't seen as much of. And, you know, I've tried to educate myself a little bit about Southern Thai food in Melbourne. Um, but I think what I realised going to – eating Southern Thai food in, in Bangkok but also in the south in Phuket is just the ingredients, like the mm. availability of fresh ingredients that you just don't have in Australia. Um some of them we do have, but they're dried or they're canned mm. um, or they're frozen. And, yeah, just eating some of those those greens, just some of the aromats like, I don't know, white turmeric or fresh stink beans, which, you know, sounds worse than it is. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it was different. It was really different. And I think also eating it on the street in the humidity, um, with the you know the sound of um, Thailand around you, it, it's it's definitely different. So I would say you can have really good Thai eating experiences in Australia, but isn't it great that it's not as good as Thailand because we still want to have reasons to travel? Definitely, yeah. The the loud sounds of the traffic, the heat wave. I, I you just said that, and I can picture myself back there and trying to find anything that was cold, which was either fruit um, on one that that was sitting on an ice cart or Chang beer were the only two things that were cold enough to like keep me refreshed. <laughs> yeah, no, I, that's that's taking me back there as well. Um, one really good experience that I had there was chatting to a Thai chef about chili like ch chili spice because some of the southern thai food is so hot mm. and i just I, I said to him you know is it hot for you you know are you just acclimatized to it that it just doesn't you know you just need to keep adding more and more and more and he's like no no it's really hot for us um but i love that feeling of you know like <laughs> that it's too much and then it's the euphoria of return returning into orbit that is you know the experience that you're looking for and I was like okay I actually um I could really get around that because it put my <laughs> pain and <laughs> in context that it was part of the journey towards pleasure um so yeah I, re I really like that so I think I got a bit more um yeah chili chili ready um not because 
I could handle it any better, but just because I had a different perspective on it. Mm, I like that, the journey and the adrenaline rush and the, the can't quite cope and then the recovery. It is, I'm a big chili nut and I've always said to people that it's like I enjoy what the emotions <laughs> and kind of everything that I go through. Um, but you're right, it, it is, um, and especially, you know, to, because it is so hot and they sweat and and that's kind of part of it in the heat. It, it, it is an interesting take on, on eating because we often think of it as pleasure, I suppose, and so many people don't find pleasure in that kind of adrenaline rush of, of am I going to die? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. I had I had like my ears were ringing at one point with how spicy the food was, um, but then I kept going back and I was like, what is happening to me that this is, yeah, I'm having this out-of-body experience, but I want more. Such addiction. Um, <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, Shante, I know that, I mean, I was lucky enough to run into you in Gippsland um, at the Melbourne Food and Wine Regional Edition in Inverloch and um, you saved some cheese for me and you were pretty excited about that Gippsland cheese. Um, was that a great food experience for you? Yeah, it was because um, it was held by the guys that do mould, so Dan Sims, who had put together this beautiful kind of masterclass on cheese. And there was about four or five different cheese producers that were there for the masterclass and they got to talk about what they make. And again, it was a whole experience of meeting these very humble family people that dedicate themselves to making the best cheese possible. And in fact, the Berry Creek um, Riverine Blue, Barry Charlton, who makes one of the blue cheeses that you tried, he just won the 2023 International Cheese and Dairy Awards in Staffordshire, England, in the world. So artisan cheesemaker of the world, which is pretty amazing. But when he spoke about, you know, what it was like to win that award, he was so humble and he talked about how it was so great for the region and how, you know, he was all about passing on this um, talent that he had to the next generation and not it letting it die out with him. And I just, you know, I, I kind of got a little emotional hearing these beautiful people that make such beautiful cheese. And for me, I'm a big blue cheese fan. I think blue cheese has sweet, it has umami, it has salt, it has such a range of flavors that I could just eat it all day long. Um, but it was just being, being down there in Gippsland, it's such a lush place. Anything can grow in Gippsland, and it's so wide. And I, I enjoyed my experience through Warrigal and Inverloch, and it was just a, a beautiful part of the world. And and in terms of what you can buy down there for properties, is kind of makes your head spin a little bit, you know, acres and acres for some amazing prices that I thought, what a country we live in that we can still say I could go buy twenty acres and a house for the same price I'd pay as a one bedroom in, you know, Southern Sydney or something. I just thought what a country we live in that we have those options. So tell me a little bit about your experience at Melbourne Food and Wine and, and have you been to Gippsland before? Is that the first time you've been out that way? Oh, I am a Gippsland fan from way back. I actually turn in that direction, yeah, more than I turn west when I'm holidaying in Victoria. I absolutely love it. Um, so, yeah, for the past 20 years or so, I've camped down at Cape Connor and in East Gippsland, which is um, – I mean, Gippsland is big, so you drive about five hours to get there, but you still keep going another couple of hours to get to Mallacoota and then, you know, finally to the New South Wales border. So it's a pretty vast region. Um, 
And I love it. I think as a food um, region, it's really coming on. So on this trip, I stayed, I guess, in South Gippsland, um, didn't go too far to the east. One of the highlights for me was visiting Lock Distillery. Uh, we did a recent Dirty Linen podcast um, on that. And it's it's a, it's a fantastic um, whiskey and gin distillery. And I I reckon that brings me to our next topic, Shantae, because I bought a couple of bottles of gin from Locke and then experimented making martinis at home. And, you know, as a drinks expert, I wanted to ask you, you know, does the martini ever go out of style or is it always with us as a go-to? I think it's got to stay with us because it's such a celebration of really good spirits, isn't it? Because you can, you know, have these kind of, you know, dry styles or you can have it, you know, with plenty of brine and making them kind of dirty if you're in the mood. I think that a martini always is, you know, has its place. And I kind of like that people these days are kind of experimenting more with kind of wet martinis and kind of giving a little bit of the mousse the place that it kind of should have too. And I, and, and I think, you know, being that we're a wine and beer drinking nation for a lot, for a lot of years, people now, you know, when they order a martini, they know exactly how they want it, what their garnish is. They know what kind of gin or vodka they have, and they've really got their preferences. So it's really taken its hold in, in Australian dining, I think. But what out of, I mean, I love Locke. That's an amazing distillery. And how cute is the little street that it's on? It's just so quaint and gorgeous. What was the kind of standout martini that you made? Well, it was a bit of a dirty martini. And I think, you know, it's really interesting what you say about wet martinis and vermouth because, you know, there are a lot of really good vermouths coming through. So, yeah, I had some of the lock gin with some maidenite vermouth and, yeah, a little bit of olive brine and ice cold, as cold as I could get it at home just with my, you know, not fancy ice. But it's, um, yeah, it's just a, a really good, clean, even when it's dirty, it's a clean drink. <laughs> Yeah, it is true. And then, you know, like you can experiment with the different olives that you have as well in it. I don't make them a lot because I find that I I get on a bit of a bandwagon. I'm kind of like, this is delicious. Oh, my God, I'm having such a good time. I, well, I've got everything out. I might as well make another. And then next minute, you know, I'm, I'm like, oh, I don't feel like cooking anymore. <laughs> so I don't make them very often, but I should. I should do them. Well, I started making them in lockdown and I don't, I am, I am the same. I don't make them very often. And I think your reasoning is very sound. Um, but I did have that gin and yeah, just had to try it out. So, um, yeah, it was, it was excellent. Um, I did have one other question I wanted to ask you about summer drinking, and that is about chilled reds. Now, I know it's not new and you've probably been doing it for ages, but I feel like I'm just jumping on with chilled reds. And I wondered if you had any recommendations about which wines work well and what they go well with. Oh, chilled reds. Yeah, I mean... I actually bought some beautiful wines for Christmas and we did, I didn't think it was going to be that hot. And so, you know, I must have had about 18, 13 to 18 wines on the table. They, I hadn't chilled a lot of them and I just was like, ugh, you know, I had Cabernets and I had Merlots and I had Shiraz and Nebbiolos. And, you know, I just had to end up grabbing the Pinots, the Nebbiolos and just chucking them in the ice bath for a second. And next minute, everyone's frothing over the, the red. So 
in this heat for sure, even if it's just in the fridge for like 10 minutes. Um, I particularly like the medium bodied style. So kind of uh, wines that have a little bit of tannins, but um, aren't too heavy in oak because I find the oak kind of stands out a bit more when they're cold. So things like Gamay, Mencia, Sangiovese, um, Pinot, I love those kind of wines with a bit of chill on them as well. And I think that, you know, they, they've got that nice crunchy acidity, so they are kind of refreshing. And in terms of what you drink them with, I mean, the mind boggles. I suppose um, I really, like, love a cured meat board. When I was over in Italy, I got to eat some amazing suppressor that blew my mind and I thought, you know, something fatty that you can have that's kind of got whether it's ham on or some nice spicy salami or a beautiful terrine um, with that kind of crunchy red is always good. But equally so, can you just have, uh, as Huck would say, some dirty garlic prawns as well? So talking about New Year's is coming up, how are you going to round out the year? How are you going to toast and bring in the new one, Danny? Uh, how does brisket sound to you? Oh, heck yeah. yeah. I have, um, I'm going to have a little soiree and I've ordered a lot of brisket. So I feel like I've got the ratio correct. Um, so yeah, I think in brisket, I reckon I am going to get that gin out again, but maybe we'll ease into the evening with some G and teas. Um, and it's got to be champagne. So I've got some champagne. I will get on ice and we will open that up to bring in 2024. What about you? Oh, that sounds so good. And I would like to see a photo of the gentle squeeze and the ooze of that kind of juicy brisket, please, on your socials. <laughs> Shall be done. <laughs> uh, I think that I will probably have uh, a martini because you've mentioned it and I'm kind of salivating thinking about it. So I might have a martini, try not to go overboard. And then, of course, I'm going to have some champagne too because I want to toast. I want to be in a festive spirit. I want to put some music on and have a little, you know, living room dance as well to myself <laughs> oh awesome well I will need a photo of that so <laughs> on that celebratory note let's wish everybody a brilliant happy new year I really hope 2024 is a great year for everybody who's listening and especially you Shante I wish you a, a beautiful one you too, Danny. It's always a pleasure to chat and thanks for thanks for getting on and, and, and you know, reinvigorating the martini for me. It's awesome. Oh, I'm so happy to wear that mantle. Um, <laughs> okay, let's get our glasses dirty and I'll catch up with you soon. Cheers to you. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you.